0: Coming up today on the Locked On Hornets podcast, Devontae Graham has another bad outing. How much should we be concerned about him? Doug is back on the show, which means he has plenty of mock draft to get through. And this.
1: He's bound right. to draw DeAndre. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done.
0: Are you done now? You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live we live. It's been a couple of episodes, but he's back joining me. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, it does help me out via the production, but maybe not so much with allowing myself to just get all of my thoughts out in a way that isn't uh, that I'm not fearful of Doug coming at me or making fun of me in any way. But he is going to be back, so it's kind of mixed feelings for me. Doug, back on the show. How are you doing today, Doug?
1: I'm great. I'm great. I feel good. I feel good about being back. I love that I'm coming back on a show where the Hornets get blown out, so I don't know how many people are listening to this show. Uh, But I can go ahead and get all my bad takes out now because I feel like the listenership number might be down a little bit. So I'm just going to go ahead and get all of my (laughs) bad takes out now, and then after they beat the Pacers on Tuesday, then I'll, I'll return back into my shell.
0: Yeah, they do take on Nate McVillan as you said earlier get this year. Get out of here, Nate McVillan! They did get destroyed by the Nets. It, uh, all the good feelings came to an end after the three-game winning streak that the Hornets were enduring. The game against the Nets, it came to a stop uh, in a big way. They get destroyed by the Brooklyn Nets in this one. 115 to 86. This happened on Saturday. And honestly, going into the locker room at halftime, only down 10. The way that they had played and had been really bad offensively, you were pretty surprised and maybe would have just taken that deficit considering they were so bad. But then it was the second half where they were not able to keep up with the Nets, particularly the third quarter. Doug, you mentioned the third quarter blues here in the rundown as we get set for today's show. Six three points, uh, excuse me, six three-pointers made for Brooklyn in the third quarter, Um It's funny because there was some bad defense by Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, and Devontae Graham that led to dribble penetration. And I was watching Malik Monk, as I often do because I love him, uh, watching Malik Monk. There was one good play at the beginning of this game uh, defensively from Malik. And I was like, man, you know, Doug mentioned it the other day. We just haven't noticed him. And it's like evaluating the offensive line in the NFL. If you don't hear an offensive lineman's name, it means he's doing a good job. I think that's also true defensively in a lot of different ways. For Malik Monk and maybe other players that you evaluate. And then I think he gave up dribble penetration to Joe Harris, where he just played complete Olay defense. That was a bad play. There was another one by Malik Monk that I'm forgetting who drove by him at that moment. And I was like, okay, well, those good feelings certainly went out the window. You mentioned Devontae Graham, who struggled with defense all season long. Same with Miles Bridges and uh, the Nets were able to separate themselves quite a bit in the second half.
1: Yeah, they were playing a team that needed a win. They were playing a team that was going to be aggressive on offense, and they played a team that was ready to hit shots. And uh, Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, several others were allowing them uh, to get those open looks. Not communicating on defense, that's a huge thing. It's not just Malik Monk blow It's the fact that he's not communicating on on some of these switches, not communicating on the dribble handoffs, and allowing players to get open shots. Uh, it's it's not just him. I don't want to be unfair uh, I think that it was a full team effort to get blown out by that much. And it's on Devontae Graham, too, to make a shot. I mean, when you're missing shots, I think <laughs> I think Del Curry kind of hilariously uh, brought that up in the third quarter. In the third quarter, he was like, you know, Devontae Graham's got to hit some field goals eventually. He can't just be getting to the line occasionally. I mean, he's got to knock down some shots. It seems like simple analysis, but it's true. One of ten from the field, oh, th- only three three-point attempts. I mean, that's, I mean, even when we've seen Devontae Graham go through bad shooting spells, uh, he's he's not often put up less than five three-point attempts, so that's a little scary. And, of course, only coming away with six points in this one, that's not going to get it done. I mean, look, they probably, look, say Devontae Graham would have had 26 points. They still get beat by 10. So you take that loss, you go, yeah, the Nets are a way better team. They're in playoff contention right now. And you move on and, and you improve your draft lottery odds. But the scary part about this loss is that they didn't seem to be playing together at all. And especially in the second half, they're not playing well at home. And Devontae Graham is not playing well uh, at all. So that those are all d- disheartening, I think.
0: Yeah, you look at the month of January and Devontae Graham only had two games in which he took six or less three-point field goals. And he's done that in each of the last two games. And then the game, um, yeah, he's done that in each of the last two games. Every other game that he's played this month has been at least eight three-point field goals or more. And he's jacking them up at about 10 on the season so far. Devontae Graham is the guy I want to come in and talk about most, Doug, because Devontae Graham had us all feeling really good in the first half of the season or so. So you look at the first 27 games played, I use that number because the last game of those 27 contests I mentioned just so happened to be the 40-point performance against the Brooklyn Nets. So you look at that stretch of games, really almost split evenly. Devontae Graham was averaging 20 points per game at that time, shooting 42% from the field, 43% from three, 7.6 assists per game, and three turnovers per game. Those were his numbers that had us at least contemplating how much of a chance he deserved to make the Eastern Conference All-Star team. It was right after that Nets game that everybody was writing articles about him. He was featured in The Ringer. He was a topic of discussion by Bobby Marks and national NBA pundits on Twitter. Ever since that game, so the game immediately following the Brooklyn contest against Chicago, including that game immediately following, he's played 29 cents, including that Chicago game that started this stretch off. Since then, Doug, he's averaging 15.3 points per game shooting 33% from the field, 32% from three. The assists haven't changed at 7.7, so just literally 0.1 increase, and uh, the turnovers haven't changed and 0.1 decrease. But the points and the field goal percentage from three and overall have drastically changed. So here we have the first 27 games where Devonte legitimately is in the conversation to be an all-star. and the last 29 games, he's been really bad. And in fact, when you're shooting that poorly from the field, It actively hurts the Charlotte Hornets and their chances of winning. Even though I like Devontae Graham and what he's done facilitating still, he can still get you the assist. I I think Devontae Graham is a guy that I do like going towards the future. We've talked about defenses adapting to the way that Devontae has played. And man, we're talking about 29 games now, Doug, of Devontae putting out bad basketball overall when you put the averages together.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, so much of that is the fact that He's a player that when his shot is not falling from outside, it, it completely cripples his ability to score. Uh, we we had seen, I think over the past 10 to 15 games, we had seen little notches of improvement in his ability to knock down uh, that floater and get to the rim, maybe draw a few more fouls. But since then, I mean, it really has regressed again. And right now, according to Cleaning the Glass, he's shooting 47% at the rim. That's 7th percentile among point guards. It's just devastatingly bad. And yeah, it's affecting it it's affecting his overall effective field goal percentage because he's, he's still on the season, even though he has struggled, as you said, these past 29 games. Still, he was so good in those first 27 that overall he's still above average Uh, In terms of his percentages from three, but his effective field goal percentage is 49.2%, again, according to Cleaning the Glass, and that is 28th percentile among point guards. So he's not one of the better scoring point guards in the NBA. And that's not something you would have caught us saying in the first half of this season. That's how bad this second half has been for him now. And the big question is, can can he rebound and try to finish this season strong in some way that gives you hope that he could still have that potential star in him moving into his third NBA season.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, evaluating Devontae Graham means that if you feel good about him, you put more stock in the first 27. If you don't, you put more stock in the first 29. And reality is in two seasons now where really we're going uh, a a full season and then really two thirds of another season for Devontae, we've got a good 27 game stretch from Devontae. That's what we have. And it doesn't mean that you have to be completely out on Devontae. I'm not. But the evaluation and how you feel about him going forward. Man, we have more games now where you put all the averages together and he's been a bad basketball player. I mean, straight up, just bad. And it's tough. It's tough to evaluate. Devontae based on the future when you have a guy like P.J. Washington who may have hit some rookie walls, but overall it's been pretty consistent. There have been some stretches here and there. Good
1: game against Brooklyn. 16.7 yeah. rebounds, four assists. Uh, didn't yeah. notice yeah. too many mistakes defensively. Only two turnovers. So yeah, I mean, he's still showing... Garbage people.
0: time stats for sure for PJ, but, you know, that's fine.
1: Right, that's fine. But, it is, well, there's going to be a lot of garbage time statistics yeah. uh, for this team moving forward. I, I couldn't believe, honestly, while I was gone, the craziest thing was just seeing how many people on Twitter and elsewhere were trying to attach the Hornets to the playoffs. Like, what are what are you thinking? Like, what have you <laughs> seen on this basketball team that is scary and consistent at the same time? It's either been occasionally scary or occasionally consistent, and that is an oxymoron. And, and to put the Hornets and playoffs in the same sentence from now until the end of the season is just regular old moron.
0: And now the question is, Doug, it's not whether you've hired the right people for the Hornets to get them to the playoffs now, but to me, it's about whether you've hired the right players and coaching staff to get them in the playoffs in the future. It's
1: so true, Walker. And listen, when you start your hiring process, you may have a lot of questions. Questions like, will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education? What about experience? So important in the NBA experience. And how will you know you've made the right hire? Well, Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your short list of applicants fast. Also, add skills tests to your job post so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash locked on and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash locked on terms, conditions, and exclusions apply offer valid through March 31st, 2020 Walker. I think I'm going to hire an audio engineer for when I'm out. (laughs) I think you need to to. help you
0: out. I don't know what's <laughs> happened on those first uh, those last two episodes, I should say, um, but that's probably the reason why we need you. Not well, I'll for tell t- you what
1: happened. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Radio Walker that mm-hmm. only applies to those sweet sweet pipes that you have, not to any of your ability to edit audio. That's what happened.
0: You talk about Malik Monk and continue the discussion <laughs> on Devontae Graham <laughs> next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. So excellently produced. This is Locked On Hornets decoys
1: all over the place they've got everybody down at the rim ball goes into biz they do like an xfl style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage except it's with Devonte graham he picks up a foul i don't care what you say nate mcmillan more like nate mcvillan get out of here quit whining about the officials you got plenty of calls the hornets got a call at the end of the game i thought it was fair hornets win
0: it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast I don't really think Doug missed the last two episodes because he had anything to do that stopped him from doing the podcast. Really what I think has happened is Malik Monk's performances have scared him away from having to praise him in any fashion whatsoever. And he just decides even at an okay game from Malik, too bad five of 15 against the nets. That's what allows him to come back and do the podcast because he had to get in there with a mediocre to bad performance because every other game that he's played, Doug, he's been really good. Yeah, listen, Malik getting his shots up. I mean, this is the time. It's
1: that time of year for Malik Bung, Making sure to get his shots up before the end of the year. 5 of 15, 3 of 9 from 3. He has been making a few more threes, both pull up and catch and shoot. That's been encouraging for me to see. 15 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Going back to Devontae just really quick, only 2 assists in this game. I mean, that's Yeah, no, weird. that was... That's that was
0: uncharacteristic weird. of him. Yeah, it was bad. Things
1: are getting weird. That's all I'm saying. It's getting weird right now with Devontae Graham. I'd, I hope that it gets unweird. Um, but, I mean, Malik Monk, listen, it's it's odd to me, you know, honestly, that Malik Monk, over the last 10 games or so, like Malik Monk and Terry Rozier have been very, very similar just in terms of what they give your basketball team. So I don't know what that means for the future of Malik Monk or the future of Terry Rozier. But right now, over the last 10 games – They're both averaging 16 points a game on around 13 shots. Terry Rozier sitting at 13.7, Malik Monk at 13.2 shot attempts. Malik Monk, 43.9% from the field, Terry Rozier, 41.5%. And then in terms of three-point percentage, Rozier at 35.6, Malik Monk at 39. So he's actually shooting a little bit better uh, on two less attempts, but shooting a little bit better than uh, Terry Rozier. And then five re- 5.6 rebounds for Terry Rozier, four rebounds from Malik Monk, and they each are averaging about two assists and two turnovers. So kind of nil on your assist-to-turnover ratio there. So it's just odd. I mean, they're eerily similar over the last two games, but they're different versions of the same because you've got Rozier who can attack off the dribble, get to the mid range and knock down shots at an above-average field goal percentage across the league, whereas... Malik Monk, terrible in the mid-range, average around the rim. He takes a lot of shots at the rim. We know that. He's changed his style up. He's an attacking guard. But he's still, just in terms of his field goal percentage, just average at the rim. And his above-the-break three has gotten better, but his corner three is hot garbage. So it's it's different versions of the same statistics that you're getting out of Rozier and Monk, but neither of those players scare me. I and mean, if I'm an opposing team, I'm not scared of either of those guys.
0: Yeah, Malik had been bad up until, really, you had that 18-point performance against Memphis on the road. And that happened on December 29th. And then he had not given you a double-digit scoring output up until he actually gets to the game against Orlando. That's on January 20th. So you had had a bad stretch of basketball from Malik. For what about a month or so, maybe a little bit less than a month, and he did not play in that game on the road against Denver. He comes in and he scores 20 points against the Orlando Magic. Then it's 31 against Milwaukee. That those two would be outside of the last 10 games for Malik. You add those two, Malik is shooting 47 percent and 38 percent from three. So to me, I do think that the stretch, right, like the 10 games is a nice cutoff. It's a little, it's, you know, that's the one we want to go with. But as far as like when Malik seemed to turn it around a little bit, if you include those two games, the numbers do indicate that Malik has been a little bit better. And when you look at Terry Rozier, Doug, I, I think, I, I think a pretty good shooting performance. I forget what he did against the Nets. Um, Rozier? Against the yeah, 4 of 11, but pretty good for him against the Chicago Bulls in that win as far as the shooting performance goes. You look at his game log, 4 of 11 against the Nets, but goes 5 of 8 against the Chicago Bulls. So that was 62%, even though there was a couple of mistakes there, um, shooting 36% from three. So to me, I feel like Terry has been kind of that guy. I feel like
1: Rozier has cool. been up and down all year. Like I feel yeah, like no, he's, he's, either, he's well, either sub 40 or above 50.
0: Yeah, like... I guess consistently to me, you know, I I, I guess my consistently uh, consistent analysis means that he's been kind of up and down where you look at him, he'll go for 40, but he'll uh, 40%, I should say, from three. And then every once in a while, he'll have the bad games. Kind of like Devontae was giving you um, for a big stretch in the first half, but he would just give you so many really good performances that those probably would skew the numbers in a positive light for him. Just interesting, the backcourt situation. For the Charlotte Hornets, Doug and Rick Bunnell wrote an article about the Charlotte Observer um, for the Charlotte Observer, I should say. He wrote about whether they have that guy or not. And it that used to guy. be Devonte. It used to be Devonte clearly. And then I, I guess we kind of got Malik for a little bit. I don't know if he ever entered that guy status. I know Terry was signed maybe to be that guy at the beginning of the season. I don't know if he's ever developed to be that phrase. Uh, what did you make of Rick Bunnell's article in the Charlotte Observer?
1: Yeah, and I don't even think he's referencing this season. I mean, I really feel like he's talking about do the Hornets have a player that has the potential to be the best player on a really good team? And I don't think that I've seen enough from Devontae this season to make me feel good enough or feel certain enough that he's a player that could be that guy, that's going to be the best player on your good uh, playoff-winning potential team. P.J. Washington I have hope for. I feel like you know, there's a lot, I mean, he's shown so much in this first year. I, I'm just really excited by the prospects of him getting one more NBA offseason and what he can bring in his, in his sophomore season. So I'm really excited about that. I think Rozier is always going to be a piece. He's going to be part, you know, if he goes to, to another really good team, he's going to be a, a good six man option and a good backup point guard option. I just haven't seen anything that really you know, transforms my thought process on Terry Rozier. I think he's been surprisingly good for this basketball team. He's been committed. He's uh, somebody that adjusted his expectations. Once Devonte Graham started to come on the scene, I think it'll be interesting though, <laughs> in the latter half of this season. And then maybe to begin next season, if Devonte Graham continues to struggle like this does Terry Rozier assert himself and say, look, you know, I did everything I could to accommodate this young, you know, budding possible star that you had on your hands. But now that, that flower is wilting, maybe give me the ball a little bit more um, and, and see what I can do. So I think that'll be an, that'll be an interesting storyline to pay attention to. Uh, But so far we're getting similar performances from Rozier, all to say, I agree with Rick. I don't think that that guy is on this roster yet. And so You know, them losing these type of games to Brooklyn, if it means that they get an opportunity to possibly draft in the top three and get that guy, that's a positive thing for this franchise.
0: I completely agree with you. And I would also agree that P.J. Washington is probably the closest to being that guy, even though that phrase loses all meaning now. P.J. Washington, to me, closest. I just think that you want somebody who's in that category to be able to create his own shot, right? And I don't know if P.J. can do that. And PJ, yet. yeah, and he can hit the three-point shot, which is huge. He's all, He comes in immediately, shoots really well. And we've seen some successful post-ups from PJ. I just, I don't know if I, I see PJ ever being able to develop an ability to create his own shot at a high enough level to be that best player on a team that makes a deep run in the postseason, which makes me agree with you again that it's not bad that they lose to try to maybe get a shot. High up in the NBA draft.
1: Oh, and listen, there are a couple of candidates. This may be a oh, little no. bit of a Why weak draft, <laughs> but there are a couple of candidates, and I've got some mock drafts for you.
0: All right, mock draft. I can't stop it. Doug is back on the podcast, mock so he has to get the mock head. drafts out. Mock draft season again up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. But what he showed in summer league comma a euro step into a windmill during a game end of comma oh could yeah. put him on the radar of a uh, radar excuse <laughs> me, of all nba yeah on the radar, on the radar <laughs> of all nba fans as a nightly highlight producer yeah you're charlotte you're does. charlotte coming out there yeah from, uh, i'm from from uh catawba county put so, him on the radar. it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast how many mock drafts are you going to take me through, Doug? Do you just have a handful since you've been gone a couple of days and you had the weekend to go off of as well? Like, How many do you have that you're going to infiltrate this podcast with? Not
1: one, not two, not no, three, have- <laughs> not four, not five. Okay, five. I've got five mock drafts. Do you really have five? I've got chinkwe five mock drafts to get to and they are tasty. They are fresh out the oven. I'm not talking about mock drafts from two weeks ago. I'm talking about mock drafts from two days ago. I'm ready (laughs) when you are.
0: You're not going to save these. You're not going to save them throughout the week so you can just hit us subtly rather than just all at once. The haymaker, the Tyson Fury haymaker. We
1: go first to tankathon.com where I've just hit the Sim Lottery button and I've got good news, folks. I've got good news, too. Good news, folks. The Charlotte Hornets, they move up three spots. They're in the number four spot. You may be a little disappointed about that, but right now they got to lose a little bit more so that they can get into those top three. They're not quite there yet. They're at four, and the Hornets are taking taking point guard shooting guard combo guard killian hayes international prospect out of ratio farm ultimate i don't know what that
0: is so, ratio farm Sounds it like says ulm
1: i'm just gonna assume that means ultimate Uh, And he's 6'5", 187 pounds. I don't know anything about this player, but he's 18.6 years old, international star right now, 16.9 points per game, 7.9 assists. Yeah, it says ratio farm. I'll tell you what, folks, his ratio of buckets to misses is high. This guy knows how to put the ball in the basket. Killian Hayes, keep your eyes on Killian. Okay, moving on. And I feel like I need some music. You know, I need some like real pulsing, like, all right, NBADraft.net 2020 mock draft. They've got Anthony Edwards going number one overall. We got to slide down to the number seven spot to find the Charlotte Hornets, and they're taking Daniel Oturu. Out of Minnesota, center prospect. They like the Hornets taking the big. What do you think about that, Walker?
0: Yeah, James Wiseman has been the guy that has been most heavily linked to the Charlotte Hornets. But this one, this it's a position of need for the Hornets. It's exactly what Mitch Kupchak said. I think that's probably the first thing. We've heard this a lot, right? Like in the last two NBA drafts, we've heard that the Hornets need some rim protection, but they've gone with the versatility that comes with Cody Martins, PJ Washington, Miles Bridges. Perhaps this is the rim runner that they get as a big
1: man. And the NBA draft.net mock draft saying, listen, if the Hornets can't get a wise man, they'll get some size, man, because Daniel Oturu, that's mm. what he's got. He's got size, man. He's Uh-oh. 6'10", but he's 240 pounds, sophomore out of Minnesota. Watch out for Daniel. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. Oturu. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Radio.com. That's right. Radio has a website, and it's called radio.com, and they've also got a mock draft, They've got the Charlotte Hornets slotted in at the number eight position, and they have them selecting Obi Toppin forward out of Dayton, Mm -hmm. 22 years old, another older college player in the mold of Devontae Graham. What do you think? Obi Toppin forward Dayton.
0: We'll just make it very clear to everybody. I do watch college basketball. I have not watched film or evaluated all of these guys. So I don't know if that would be a good pick right now, just like you uh, in that regard. But I do know that David Walker is a big fan of Opie Top, And if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw him tweet something that he liked OB quite a bit. So we'll see if that would be the selection and then we can get David to talk
1: about. Radio.com says talent evaluators are said to view him as having a high floor. Don't know why. But having a high floor seems like an uncomfortable way to live in your house, having a high floor
0: low ceiling. So that's all of the first round picks, right? PJ, Miles Bridges, they've got the floor. I'm with the ceiling, baby. If you give me a high floor, I want a high ceiling too so I can be comfortable.
1: Okay, moving on. Blazersedge.com has a mock draft out right now. Actually, it's just, a, it's just a mock draft of all of the mock drafts and this has to only do with the Portland Trailblazers.
0: Is this your favorite, right? If this is a mock draft of all the mock drafts, did your mind get blown as soon as you've seen
1: this? Well, the problem with this one is it's only it only has to do with the Portland Trail Blazers, but they've got the Blazers. Gavoni right now has the Blazers looking to Washington forward Jaden McDaniels with the number 15 pick, but the Hornets probably going to be picking above number 15, so don't worry about They're that. They're trying to
0: take our player in this draft. We have Jalen McDaniels. No, Jaden McDaniels. Jaden,
1: oh, okay. the D is the key. Okay. I kind of want
0: Jaden McDaniels just so we can have a Jalen and a Jaden McDaniels.
1: Jaden McDaniels going number 15 if that's where Gavoni has Jaden McDaniels (laughs) if you're interested in having Jaden McDaniels on the Charlotte Hornets I got good news for you he probably will be available where the Hornets want to select him so that's good news.
0: All right, let's get this over with. You have one more, right, Doug? I
1: have one more. This comes from the SixerSense.com, a member of the Mm fan-sided blog community. Number one overall, they also have Anthony Edwards. Edwards sticking right now at number one. No one wants to move off the Georgia prospect, that Georgia wing at number one. So if the Hornets are lucky enough, if the ping-pong balls go their way, they could look – could Anthony – Edwards be that guy? Could he be the scoring wing that Mitch Kupchak says? I think we could use one of those.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a strong take by Mitch <laughs> Kupchak and what they might need whoa, in the next draft.
1: Wow! Whoa, wow! Whoa, wow! Whoa, whoa. This ah, surpri- Wow! This surprised me. The Sixersince.com, Christopher Klein, by the way, the author of this mock draft 1.0. This is fresh. He's got the Hornets slotted at number three. He has them somehow climbing into the top three
0: spots. I don't know why. Can I guess it? Let me try to guess. Let me try to guess. I'm going to say that they have the Hornets selecting LaMelo Ball. Is that correct?
1: Oh, you were close. They actually have Hmm. them selecting James Weissman out Hmm. of Memphis. James Weissman writes, Christopher Klein has the pedigree and the potential to tempt a high lottery team. The Hornets' recent draft history is pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> but it's <Wow. laughs> But it's not the most trustworthy front office either. In Weissman, the Hornets get a hulking presence. I like that word. Hulking. They got a hulking
0: I think, presence. I like the evaluation at the beginning. I think you said that Wiseman writes Christopher Klein gives you some size, and therefore I'd be interested. It, I wonder how good Christopher Klein would be on this Hornets team. Or if we would rather go with somebody that has a little bit more upside and maybe doesn't write for a specific team's block.
1: He has LaMelo ball going number two overall to the Detroit Pistons. He's got the Pistons selecting two. I don't know how he came up with this draft order, but this guy's crazy. Anyway, he writes about Weissman defense is the main concern he should, which is odd. He should be an elite rim protector who can defend in space, but his poor instincts, bad technique, and tendency (laughs) to lose focus are issues Charlotte will need to address. He's bound to draw DeAndre. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. Are you done now? He's bound to draw DeAndre Aiden comparisons, fair or not.
0: So it's gotten so bad that you've gone to specific sites, mock drafts. You've gone to specific Uh, teams, mock drafts. The sixers.com
1: is a known NBA draft expert blog that also happens to report on the Philadelphia 76ers. But at least unlike the Blazers edge, at least they do an actual mock draft instead of tricking me
0: can you give me that yes i'll 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 do the exit segment here as we go away if you could just give me some of that sweet sweet music that you've been portraying so far all right thanks for listening and remember you can subscribe to this show on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify doug is back he's back with me again tomorrow so long we'll talk to you then